Talk with Vicky Baez and JC. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to yet another amazing episode of HR Talk. I'm JC up in sunny New York. Head down to the end of the street. You can see Canada. We got that nice fluffy snow on its way down today. Fluffy. And heading across the bow to sunny central Florida. The man, the myth, the legend, the guy living in the world of the mouse, the state of the Super Bowl. The state that plays home to the former president of the United States, Ricky Bias. Hello, Mr. J to the C. How you doing, Rick Starr? I'm loving the new intro music, man. I will bump that in my 2013 Sonata. <laughs> my man. It, it would sound a lot better if it was like in your uh, Supra back in the day. I wish I had a Supra. You mean my <laughs> Honda Civic? No, 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 no. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Before we get into the program, let's let's address a topic. I'll okay. never forget one of the first times I went down to Orlando, Florida, and we took that drive in the 70, uh, 1972 Volkswagen Carmen Ghia ragtop yeah. got down there and uh had a little uh, little bit of time with your family meeting everybody doing stuff and you said hey yo 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 i'm like what you're like yo 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 i'm like yes ricky you're like yo 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 <laughs> and it's like you kept saying yo and you pointed at this car and the car was covered in a drop cloth and you said this is my mama's but this is going to be mine someday now i don't know if that was a i i thought you said that was a supra it could have been a celica for all i know i don't know but it was something that was JC, under a tarp. That was the tiniest MR2 anybody oh, has ever seen. <laughs> the MR2, that's what it was. Oh, my God. I forgot about that car. Yeah, no, I didn't because that was a gorgeous wow. ride. Yeah. It what was if, a little tiny What tiny happened thing? to that car? I don't know. I think either we sold it or it got stolen. One of those things, either sold or stolen. I don't know. <laughs> One of those things. Uh, but... I remember, you know, that's a, um, that's a true Florida story right there. That's all I got to tell oh. you. you know? it's, it's kind sure of is. it's kind of funny to me. It's like, hey, what happened to this? And and you've got like a tragic story. I'm like, nah, that's my Florida friend for everything. <laughs> for everything. For everything. Yeah, yeah. God, you got me thinking about that car now. You like tell me a story about going going up to Wawa to get paninis, and the next thing you know, it's a tragic story that happened with gasoline, <laughs> a, a truck, a guy, a few cows he was towing. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're like, don't worry it's about it. Ha- it's Florida. <laughs> it's Florida. Yeah, exactly. That's what happens when you live in Florida. We've been Florida, man, before the internet made it cool. You know that. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> I mean, come on. Hey, I, I need that- to address something right here at the top of the show. Uh, so Shoot. there was a tweet that went out. That was talking about the fact that you're putting the program now on YouTube. And I want to talk about platforms and I want to talk about the program because here we are. We're, we're into many years of the uh, program now. Uh, we're nearing the 300 series as well. We were double pumping. Yeah. You know, we had we had episodes that happened before that that we can't even source anymore. There was things lost. Ladies and gentlemen, when you there's so many of you that are podcasting out there right now and so many of you that are doing amazing things. In the industry, let it be in human resources, business, or or just entertainment, and and you're having a great time with this stuff. You're doing real good things. Let me tell you something right from the get go. Amazing. If we could do it over again, um, getting the branding right from the jump would have been key. Let me tell you that we we got a lot of stuff in line. We really did. We put down um, the logo for HR Talk. We had the face of the franchise on lock. 
after the one hundreds, you know, the, uh, after after the first season, there things changed. You know, uh, we had our evolution and growth, and uh, we decided at that time to solely stick to the podcasting platform. You know, mm-hmm. the the theater of the mind, right? Getting in the mind of the listener, letting them create the scene. As time went by, we saw the numbers grow. We saw a lot mm-hmm. of positive traction on static IP hits and and stuff like that. Yeah, you can't sit down and quantify the entire podcasting realm of things in podcasting 1.0 the way it is right now. But who knows? You know, I know Adam Curry and some of the others out there, the pod father, the guy that helped invent podcasting, is working on podcasting 2.0 that could also make this something that turns out to be a monetization for the actual creative artist that's putting together what the program. What did you just call him? Uh, the pod father. Yes. Okay. Got it. Uh, that's so his nickname. He, Go ahead, Google him. Pull him up on the Google. And, and by the way, okay. now that Ricky is also recording video with the intent to put it on YouTube, this is part of what I want to address in this opening monologue right here, right now as well. Feel free to oh, share your screen at any time too, Rick, because uh, it's pretty boring just watching the two of us the entire time. That's all I got to say. But look, here's <laughs> here's my thing, okay? Shut up. When, when people listen to a podcast they're working out they're maybe in the car driving somewhere they're multitasking they're working they're saying hey alexa play hr talk play the most recent episode of hr talk and it pulls it up we were able to get on all the platforms that are out there our dear friend who was on the program going back a couple weeks grown corn 2020 tony he's got his new podcast going he's in the throes of it right now trying to get the uh the release squared away with itunes he's on spotify he's struggling with some of the other uh, platforms that you have to go in. And with many of the podcasts now, you have to have at least 10 in the coffers to make it onto the uh, release of some of these platforms. Mm-hmm. iHeartRadio is out there. There's uh, TuneIn uh, and Player FM and so many other. Player FM actually found us, reached out to us, put us on their platform, and started, right. started multicasting, if you want to call it that at the time. So my point to the story here, As time has gone by, we made the conscious choice early on. Let's use some royalty-free music along the way. Let's use elements that make up this program that make it core available under the umbrella of education and information for all. When the day comes when we can start to monetize this, it's going to be a different ball of wax, right? Yep. And and we may open up the coffers for a vendor or two to step in line and, and maybe help contribute to a program and, and to some of the costs that are incurred. We tried a volunteer dollar for dollar thing for a while there. It it, it didn't work out. OK, <laughs> it really didn't, you know, at all. You know, you right. could donate uh, X amount of dollars and the face of the franchise would send you a picture. Or you grill hot dogs in your backyard, whatever. It, it was a flop. <laughs> and it, part of the reason it's a flop to me. OK, and part of the reason why I think it stays this way, Ricky, and, and yeah, it's a monologue, but I, I want the back and forth like we always do. Some of the people that listen to this program are also people that normally don't like to self-identify on social media. We've had a lot of thought leaders, a lot of authors, a lot of people that are in the industry reach out and talk about how they appreciate the program, how they appreciate what that we're doing. Uh, lawyers that listen religiously, borderline religiously, weekly, but they're well, not, not going to go. Out, yes, yeah, they're not going to go out there under their own handles and monikers for their business and mm-hmm. say, "I love this podcast. I like these guys." A few of them do, and kudos to them. But at the same time, they're not going to do it. 
We've got people that are C-suite executives. We've got people that are out there in Silicon Valley that doing crazy things that listen to this program. And, and you know, there's a certain level of influence that goes with that. And we've taken pride in that over time. So two things here for you, Rick. One, as the growth of TikTok has evolved and we've started to put a little more content on TikTok, the views have been pretty good. You know, you might have a, you might have a video that goes up and only gets like 500 views. You might have one that goes up that gets 1,000 to 5,000 views. It doesn't even come close to the amount of people that actually listen or, or static IPs that touch this podcast from all the various platforms or the direct RSS feed at hrtalkpodcast.com. But what makes me sad is to wake up this morning on the day of the big game, click that link for the YouTube and say, yeah, our intern published that yesterday. They got that out to social media. Let me see how it's doing. And the video had four views and only one dislike, not even a like. (laughs) So then I tallied up and, and I was confused, Rick. I was confused between which HR Talk podcast it was on YouTube because there's two freaking channels there. So then I go to the one channel. It has nothing to do with the stuff that we're doing now. It had the whole like second season in there and the the start of things. And, and we made that conscious choice not to do seasons and just to do the numbers. So that was good. And then now there's the second channel that has newer mm-hmm. content out there that nobody's watching. Nobody's watching whatsoever. There's six hours of content out there. And it has a total of 60 views. Six zero views over six hours of content published over nine months. It really (laughs) hurt my heart this morning. I don't think YouTube is our platform. That's all I'm going to tell you. But if you're going for more of the audiovisual product like we're doing today, like you're recording today, I want to do this live on the show. I want to talk to you about this. You have that capability to share your screen. Look, we're no Joe Rogan by any stretch of the imagination. I don't want to be that guy either. He's a different breed of character. He's a great guy. Very good guy. Very big guy. I'm not that guy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you could share your screen. You could show some of these things that we're talking about during the program. Don't forget mm-hmm. that because just the two of us on screen the whole time is boring. I'm going to tell you, well, I have a face for radio. I don't know if I have a face for YouTube. You got that right. Um, so look, um, we got to start somewhere, right? So I was having a conversation with the intern about this. We, we, for something like that, um, yes, we got to start somewhere and it's not going to be a home run as soon as you start, right? You got to take that first step to finish that marathon. And that's exactly what this is. This is a marathon. Um, now I got to tell you, I was helping the intern with it because, um, she is better at posting things in, uh, uh, social media as far as Twitter and Instagram is concerned. Right. But when it comes to uh, YouTube, I help with that editing, right? And here's the thing with the YouTube editing, it's easy for us to do this raw video that we're doing right now. And we started to post in the past four, four episodes. But once you splice everything together, I got to pay attention to what we talk about. I got to mark the time so I can make sure I find some kind of an image to put in there in the video um, for us to that we're talking about. And once you splice everything in there, it does look like we're doing it on the fly, but I'm not right. So it works better that way. The problem with that is that takes time, time that I don't have. Well, I'm going to tell you, so, it makes me sad. Yeah. It makes me sad. It really does. Here's mm-hmm. why. We need to, if, if this is something that you want to do, we need to amplify 
the amount of equipment that you have and kind of take that to the next level so that you could do those things on the fly or get the intern involved to do it on the fly while we're live. Because that's one of the beauties of this show compared to other podcasts that you listen to through Mm -hmm. the normal streams. What you're getting is never edited on audio, rarely ever edited. There there may be one or two small things that we've ever touched, but I rolled tape. Like (laughs) 1%. Less than. Seriously. Less than. (laughs) Like a lot of the mixing is done on the fly. A lot of these things are Mm -hmm. done on the fly. And it's it's the type of quality that you're going to get from my fingertips that you would normally get from a a regular radio station or a live broadcast anywhere else. I'm going to tell you that. (laughs) Okay. I'm, no, I'm being dead serious. I'm bringing some skills I'm to the laugh, table. I'm just laugh, laughing at the quality that comes from your fingertips. It, I, that is just, you gotta those admit, words though, should never go together in a sentence. Coming you got to admit, though, again. it's a different layer of level. I mean, there's guys that can sit down and record their show, go back and edit the program, mm-hmm. and then uh, they chop it out and remove all the breaths and make it very unnatural in the way that they're talking yeah. and speed it up 10x and turn it into something else. And they spend two hours editing after the fact. Here, we're Correct. doing it all live. And really all at the, the end, really at the end, I just throw a layer of compression on it. I normalize the audio and then the file's done. That's pretty much about it. But we're we're tracking it like minus one on the DBs the entire time. For any of you out, out there that are geeking out on podcasts that do listen to us, you know, it, we've got many layers of compression and, and things that go into line. There's a, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just two guys talking on an iPhone back and forth, making it happen. Now, sadly, the audio for the YouTube video sucks. I have no idea what happened there. We need so, to fix your gear. We have to fix it. It's if not, YouTube is going to be a thing. It's not the gear. It's, it, it really isn't the gear. Because, I mean, if we're going to get technical with it, right, you know, we record on your end, right? So I'm not too terribly concerned about how we sound on my end, which is where I record for the video. Um, as I am a concern on we're recording your end because what you record, what you what your magic fingers do, start and stop, and then no editing afterwards, that's what goes to the platform, right? So that's what I that's where I cre- I care about the quality. What we have to do now, because you are right, what we have to do now is we need to get that same real that quick, same real audio. quick. Thank you, thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Uh, yeah. No, it, I <laughs> What we need to do is get that same audio for that same level of audio quality for the video. And we are getting there, right? Because we just started doing this. Um, I just got to get more technical people involved so they can take care of that on the fly well, right before. I'm going to tell you show. something right now. Even even YouTube aside, what we need right now, honestly, we need seven. People. We need 700 more followers on TikTok, 700 more followers, oh. and then we can go live with the program on TikTok on days that we record, okay, which, which is actually that. tracking a very large across segment. So remember I said over nine months, 60 views over the six hours of content. Well, if you tally up the amount of numbers that we have on TikTok, it again, it doesn't, it doesn't even come into play with uh, what we have on the regular podcast platforms. But when we're looking at TikTok alone, we've got an opportunity there. We really need to capitalize on it. Hey, uh, it is that time in the show where I've rambled long enough and we are overdue to uh, have our special introductory segment. Let's let you see life from another perspective. They can expand the mind and awareness. 
These are inspirational quotes. It's Ricky Bias. Inspirational quotes with Ricky Bias. Over to you, sir. Whenever your technology decides to fail you in the middle of a show, don't freak out. Just keep acting like you're acknowledging what the other person is saying. Nod your head and smile until you figure out what the hell's going on. That's right. Fake it till you make it. It's a great way to do it, especially in the world of business, ladies and gentlemen. That's how Ricky got as far as he is, right? <laughs> that literally just happened right now. I lost audio. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Go ahead, JC. Keep talking. And boom, audio came back. It's like... Figure it out on the fly. Hey, well. that's uh, that's where the magic happens. So uh, now we're yes, about sir. almost 20 minutes into the program. How are you doing? <laughs> tell me. Tell me how you really feel about the YouTube video. I hate tell it. me how you I really feel. I hate YouTube. I hate YouTube. <laughs> I, think, I think for podcasts, and, and this, this just goes back to like the old programming mindset, the old TV mindset where I grew up, mm-hmm. right? People yeah. don't like talking head programs. They don't. They don't like it. And nowadays, when you could sit down and you could tell your smart device to just play the program and it's pulling mm-hmm. it from whatever source, it doesn't necessarily have to be the two. But, you know, I'm willing to give it a shot with you. I'm behind you. And I'm willing to try to make this grow. But I honestly believe with the trends that are taking place right now in the social media realm, TikTok is the place to be. That's all I'm saying. Just hands you're, down. You're not wrong about TikTok. You're wrong about YouTube, though. YouTube, I'll tell you this right now. No, I'm YouTube talking, talking head platforms. No, no, I know. I know. But at some point, you got to start somewhere, right? That's what I'm saying. Um, we're not going to start off like a multi-million dollar programming platform like HBO does. Um, but it, it you do start somewhere. So once I get that going, which I have, and I get more people involved, it's going to get more more smooth, I like more it. ease as we get that going. But TikTok, how how I didn't know we were that far into TikTok. So, yeah, we're, we're pretty far into TikTok right now. We just need to go a little bit further to kind of get there. Know what I mean? That literally, but I I agree with you. That is going to be the future of of how we consume media. But I don't know though because people thought Snapchat was going to be it, and that had its heyday, and then it dropped off. I'm gonna tell you um, something though. Like that, okay, your maximum sixty second, and they're testing out two minute long video clips on TikTok. Very I good, very yeah. fun. But when they go live, there's no limit. There's no limit to how long you go live. As long as you're abiding by community standards and you're not reported, they can literally do whatever they want. And it's a creator's paradise right now. It's a beautiful place, really is. It is. That it is. And and I got to tell you, it's once once you get that platform with uh, TikTok and you get all those followers in, once I get my vision realized for bioethical learning, this is why I'm focusing so much on YouTube, right? Because YouTube, what we need to get to is 100,000 subscribers um, over on the YouTube channel, not just for HR Talk, but for Biasco Learning as well. I've got a couple of initiatives that I got working behind the scenes that for 2021 that really is going to put the uh, the uh, training and development and HR consultancy uh, that is Biasco Learning on the map, but it does start on YouTube. So stand by. I like how you brought up the parent org. The parent organization doesn't get brought up enough. This was birthed 
directly from that. It, it took a, it was. <laughs> some beer and chicken wings to make that happen. But uh, you literally know. <laughs> and the end of a football game, which I think we I think the Bills lost that day. Yeah, it was and day. we went back to the, the five star studios uh, a little bit drunk and trying to figure out, you know, trying to find some uh, some some comfort in the loss. And, oh, look at this. There's a bar next to the microphone. Boom. And that's how this thing was born. <laughs> hey, Ricky, uh, in the world of uh, business as of right now, there's a lot going on this week, man. Um, I'm, I'm just going to hit a real quick rundown. I'm not going to go into every single article. Okay. Cressa mm-hmm. CEO Jim Underhill is stepping down. Uh, Louisville Metro United Way CEO Teresa Reno Weber has officially stepped down. Politico's chief executive is stepping down at the end of the year. Chris Pappas is stepping down as Luby's CEO. A Wilco CEO steps down, citing dispute over canceled drill rigs out in the uh, oceans there. Cooley Dickinson CEO has officially stated that she's stepping down. Virgin Hotels influential CEO has officially stepped down. Former Clorox CEO has stepped down. Uh, she, she's a very good oh. woman, too. Uh, Dollar Shave Club founder Michael Dubin has officially stepped down as CEO. Belkin founder Chet Pipkin steps down as CEO. Daryl Tall, Advent Health Central Florida, has resigned and officially stepped down. Qualcomm says CEO Molenkov will step down. Bitcoin mining firm Bit Digital has officially removed uh, their CEO chairwoman, who has then turned around and said she is stepping down. The CEO of <laughs> Dubai contractor Arabtech has resigned amidst its ongoing liquidation. Back to guard, uh, Cecilia Edstrom has resigned as CEO. And uh, there was that Jeff guy that recently stepped down. What's his name? Uh, Jeff Bezos, which translates literally kisses in Spanish. A lot it of does. people are stepping down. <laughs> and this this list here is just over the past couple of weeks or so. There's been a lot of leaders stepping down from organizations mm-hmm. over the past year or so. We could ask the question and very simply say, well, why is it happening? We could go into that discussion. We could dissect that just like everybody else is doing. I don't want to do that. I want to spin this. And I want to ask you a very important question. Mm-hmm. With all of these openings that are out there. There you go. How could our leaders, our thought leaders, our our, our culture changers, our, our people that are living on the tip of the spear throughout all industries right now that value the C-suite, that talk about emotional intelligence, that appreciate a culture of trust, how can they rise to properly step into these roles, in your opinion? So that's exactly how I was, I was waiting for you to finish because that's exactly how I was going to spin it, right? Because... Instead of focusing on all these CEOs stepping up and why they're stepping down, that it's every every company I heard you say so and so stepping down. I'm thinking somebody's excited because there's a promotion opportunity. Maybe that COO is going to step in, and whatever that COO was, now that position becomes open, and then somebody else, and then it trickles down. Well, uh, or or even they start their national or international search. They find that new leader and bring them in for a changing of the guard. Maybe it's not the COO stepping up. See, but that would suck, though, right? Because that means you don't have a good succession plan. Because if every time a leader leaves, you have to to rely on an executive search firm, 
then the question has to be asked, what's wrong? How come we're not cultivating this leadership that we think we have? Maybe the and COO we just have, doesn't want to. Result to. Of that? Maybe they don't want to. Maybe they just, uh, they're, they're good where they're at. So they don't want it. the we're job. Done. There, there's no CFO. There's no CIO. Yeah, they're all good. No other person. They, yeah, all they don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> they they want to go they, find the next Ricky Baez and make him the CEO of SeaWorld. <laughs> right. But then is it the SeaWorld? What the <laughs> Okay. But isn't that a bigger question then? How come nobody wants that job? Ooh. It's still a culture Ooh. issue. Right? Do so it. there's that culture this is issue. This is what I want. Why? This is what I want. Go so, ahead. So so if if nobody wants that job and you've got five senior executive leaders to get that you get to choose from, and by you I mean the board, whoever's in charge of 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 putting these leaders in place, right, and nobody wants the job. Uh, yeah, go to that executive search firm, but with the same um, uh, um, intensity and the same money you're spending for that executive search firm, you might you might want to invest that into finding out why nobody wants that job, why nobody wants to be the captain of that ship, uh, because then that's not going to go away in its own. It's only going to get worse and worse and worse unless you get somebody really revolutionary at the helm of that ship, and that hardly ever happens, right? Uh, because, for example, Jeff Bezos, um, he's leaving at the end of the year. I mean, he's not leaving Amazon, per se. He's going to be the chair of the board, but he's going to focus more on his other entities. Uh, I mean, look, he's worth $197 billion, right? It, well, it's, he doesn't have to worry about well, this company anymore. <laughs> that that he knows of. That won't, that, yeah, that's that really helped the uh, cause. Yeah. Um, so now he's putting, I forgot his name, but the head, the guy who started um, AWS, uh, you know, Amazon Web Services. So now the guy who made that the success it is right now, he's going to step in, right? So you can almost expect the same kind of culture, same kind of leadership if it's somebody from within. Whether that's good or bad depends on the employees. Same thing with these other organizations. It depends on the culture of the organization. Now, once you take a look at that, now you got to ask, why is so-and-so stepping down? We know why Jeff Bezos is stepping down, but Dollar Chief Club? Why, are they, why is that guy stepping down, right? So you would have to ask that question, but you can't bog yourself down. As, as the board, the chair of the board who's looking to fill these roles, you can't bog yourself down and get paralyzed with all those questions you don't have answers for. You still got to find those leaders, and it's it sounds like there's plenty of opportunities out there, brother. So are you applying for any of them? Are you going to go to Clorox and no, see if you can no, be no, the head? No, I, <laughs> with, the, with the current position uh, within HR talk, I see a bright future as of right now, you know. <laughs> okay. I'm hoping for the best on this one. You know? 700 more in TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that we can quit our day jobs. What do we get? A T-shirt and a headband, right? That says "Hey, HR Talk" is on well, TikTok. Well, you could actually get a lot more than that. <laughs> so, growing corn, twenty twenty. Tony Reed, he was on here a couple weeks back. Uh, yeah, he had a problem with his socks, right? So uh, he put up a video <laughs> of himself putting on socks, and uh, his toes were breaking through the end of the socks, and he didn't see a problem with it, but his viewers did. So they sent him. I don't even know how many pounds of new socks. Oh. Uh, he is so inundated with new socks that I believe his wife is starting to find organizations to give socks away to. to. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So um, sometimes well, the rewards you reap are valued much greater than just monetary uh, value. Well, JC, if we follow that same rationale, then I want all of our listeners to know right now, 100% honest here, my Ferrari stopped working. My clutch is gone. 
my mansion is is in despair. You, you and t- my jet balloon. <laughs> it's apples and oranges here, Rick. You're oh, drawing really? a connection between Ferraris <laughs> and socks. I don't think that's a thing, you know, but that's fine. I mean, I, fine. Okay, I figured I figured I would give it a shot. No, but that is pretty cool that uh, that uh, he got to do that. I saw that video. Dude, his videos is just gold, bro. It's they're just gold. Every time that I'm feeling in the dumps and this past couple of weeks I have been, I just pull up his videos, man, and he cracks me up. I mean, just just the way he opens. Good morning, fuck sticks. So, so I got to be careful, right? I got to be careful to make sure it's, it's uh, it, the volume's not too high, especially if I'm in the office. But I just love how he starts his videos. And I'm telling you, that is going to be the source of entertainment, how we consume entertainment in the next 15, 20 years versus how it was in the past 20 years with cable TV, which, by the way, is going away pretty soon. Well, It'll disappear. On the heels of your vulgarity, I do actually have an important announcement. Uh, we are coming back Great. to uh, Space Coast uh, to the HR conference there. <laughs> you have to bring it there. Yeah. You've got to bring it there. Well, it's the time oh, in the great. show where you I have to bring it, it up. So the, uh, well, <laughs> all right. So the uh, 2021 Space Coast HR conference uh, will apply for credits towards your SHRM SCP and SHRM CP recertifications. They're also applying That's for right. hours towards the PHR, SPHR, GPHR through HRCI. A certificate showing the hours approved will be provided to all attendees. And for more information about certification or recertification, please visit SHRM.org or HRCI.org. The 2021 conference is picking up right where things left off with 2020. And it's uh, my pleasure to be welcomed back as the MC of the event we're happy to also announce that we will have the HR Talk podcast on the floor of the conference room. We'll be working things out there and making sure that uh, we're on site, facilitating, and then also recording a program that day. Speakers, uh, we have Beth Hannon, Janet Goldberg McKinnery, Jeffrey Shaw, R. Michelle Tatum, Lewis Wilson, and more to come. So... Mm. Many more announcements. We're going to be talking about the bios. We're going to be talking about tickets. If you had tickets for last year, they're still honoring those this year, I believe. Uh, We're going to have a lot more information in regards to all this in the coming weeks. Please, if you could, stop by SpaceCoastHRConference.com. It's going to be good to see you there. Florida (laughs) has a lot going on in the space of human resources and high-level conferences this spring, Rick. Just a few short weeks away is going to be the HR Technology Conference taking place down in Florida as well. I'm not sure if you're going to that. Are you? I am not. Um, it, it's there's. You are a thousand percent right. There is so much going on in Florida, especially in these next three months. I don't know if you knew. Uh, Disrupt HR Daytona 2.0 and Disrupt HR Orlando are going to team up. We're going to team oh. up for a dual event. Oh, so oh, oh it's gonna, I got an idea. Uh-huh. Is it going to be in the yeah. middle, like uh, Disrupt HR Deland, and then it'll be both? You are, uh, yes, you're right. It is Disrupt HR. Actually, it is going to be in Deland. Oh, we are meeting yes. in the middle. Love it. On March 23rd. It's, I cannot wait. Rick. It's been a long time since I had an in-person conference. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm definitely excited for that. Hey, uh, give me a call. Let me know about those dates. Love to get the airfare booked and bring the show to the floor if that's something that we're going to be doing. You tell me. Okay. I will let you know. We're still working on those, uh, on on what the uh, inner workings are going to be, but the dates are already there. Speaker, oh, you know what? This is a great opportunity. 
If you want to be a speaker for Disrupt HR Orlando slash Daytona on March 23rd in the land, please let me know. Um, it is an in-person event. We're not going to be doing Zoom event. There's going to be all kinds of social distancing protocols all over the place, but uh, it will be in person. Now, and that's, that's to me, that's exciting. Question for you. Will you be accepting speakers via Zoom that may not have the opportunity to get down to the Orlando, Daytona, DeLand area? So normally I would make that call along with Leslie, but because we are we do have Daytona involved as well, I, I, I don't feel comfortable doing that without Summer. So I would have to ask Summer about that to see if she's comfortable with that. I know with uh, Leslie and I, for if it was just Orlando, no. If if we're gonna have an in person event, it's going to be an in person event. You know, you've got so many good uh, leaders, so many good uh, thought leaders within mm-hmm. Orlando and Daytona. You're probably going to have a chock full list here before you even know it, truly. Oh, For- it, my inbox is killing me right now. It's just filling <laughs> up with everybody wanting to talk. That's yeah, because people are cooked up and they're and they're ready to get out and oh, start been, doing this again. It's been over a year for some people, you know? Yeah, true. Yeah. Oh, God. This guy. Yeah. It's been about a year. It's getting old. I'm like 20 pounds. I've, it's wow. not, it's COVID-19. Right. They say COVID-19. It's the 19 pounds. It's it's all adding up. Let me tell you. Um, do not blame that on the pandemic, bro. Wah, wah. <laughs> Don't hey, do that. A question for you. Uh, we do yeah. have people that listen to the program that uh, are fairly new to the program that know nothing yep. about Disrupt HR. So if you could just a little oh, bit about that, please. Man. Disrupt HR. It, we really do try to do what the name implies. Um, we're trying to to disrupt what people think they know about what an HR conference is all about. So if you go to a regular conference and you have um, uh, like maybe one or two speakers talking at 45 minutes each, like uh, your state SHRM conference or even your national SHRM conference, when you have a couple of days and speakers up on speakers and they're talking for an hour, some of them are good, some of them are not. Depends on the topic, depends on how the person engages with the crowd to deliver that that message. But Disrupt HR does it a little bit different. It is a national organization started by a, uh, a lady by the name of Jennifer McClure. And what she does is, well, I mean, not she does it, but what the organization does is um, if you go to a Disrupt HR event, you have about nine to 12 speakers. Each speaker has exactly five minutes to deliver their presentation. Their presentation, as soon as they start talking, their presentation would transition from one slide to the next every 15 seconds automatically. The speaker has no control over the presentation as soon as they start talking. So 15 seconds times 20 slides, that comes out to be exactly five minutes. So not only is it nerve-wracking for you to be up there and just do any presentation, but you go ahead and throw the element of not having control of your presentation, um, and you've got to be spot on yeah. in everything that you're talking about. Because if you if you miss a cue in one slide, it throws you off for everything else that you have. It is terrifying. It is such a good time, though. It really is. Um, Orlando has done it a bunch of times now. I think we're up to nine or t- ten. We're up to ten now. Um, Daytona just started last year. We did it last uh, April um, over in Daytona Beach. And Summer, Leslie, and I had a conversation a few weeks ago. And we're like, let's combine forces and let's do it on March 23rd. We're tired of being cooked up in homes and offices. So we want to get out there and have a good time. Love it. Beautiful thing. 
we are yeah. at uh, just nearing 40 minutes in the show right now, Rick. I know what? you had some things that you wanted to what? talk about before we get to current events. Yeah. Over to you. Yeah. So, you know, I wanted to ask you some questions because we had I had a really interesting conversation this week regarding uh, employee relations, employment and labor law. Yeah. And uh, in my 19 years in human resources, I've seen a few of these issues um, and it's they hardly ever come up. And when they do, I like to take advantage of these situations to really, again, have a good conversation amongst the team and make sure that each uh, personal view is acknowledged. I'm not going to say respected. I'll say acknowledged uh, to different things. And you're, that way, you're, you're, you're scaring me a little bit with the big setup here. Depending on the topic, I might not be able to comment. You're killing me right now. I think no. I think on this one, you are you 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 are able to. All and, right. Here, here it is. So I'm just going to ask you a question. Let's say you're sure. a brand new HR manager, right? Yes. And I'm your recruiter, right? And I'm like, hey, hey, JC, here's what's going on. We have an employee who we just interviewed, and this employee decided to tell me that um, they are transgender. No, excuse me. Uh, yes, they are transgender, um, and they want to be addressed as, uh, I don't know, Susan, right, okay. instead of Bobby, Right. Sure. But they look like Bobby. Right. But they want to be addressed as Susan. They're going to be using the the uh, male's restroom. Right. Um, based on how he or she feels, how he or she wants to be addressed. All right. So that's the part I want to talk about. Yeah. Right? So she wants to be addressed as a she. She looks like a male, but wants to be addressed as a she. So I tell you that. Right. Um. What do you tell me at that point? Should I hire that person, JC? Because that's going to create issues. I don't think that that's even a, should be a factor in your decision-making process, though. It really comes down Absolutely. to the uh, employee at hand. So uh, hang on a second here. There's some people out there that are actually still basing decisions on something like that. You'd be surprised. You would be surprised. Because what happens is, is you get some people who's got a personal belief. And it clashes with what they should and should not do at work. And by personal belief, I mean religious beliefs. But I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Because you are 100% right. You are saying that, that what that person told you told me has no, no credibility, has no weight in me making a decision whether I hire that person. But I start thinking, oof, they're going to use the female's restroom, but they look like a he? That's going to create some issues, right? So that is an amazing coaching opportunity for the recruiter. Right. Because uh, once the recruiter is told that, then that recruiter still has to ignore that piece for the time being, because that recruiter needs to make a decision and hire that person based on the credentials and the credentials alone. Forget the curveball that they they threw you now. Are you going to go as a recruiter once you hire that person? Are you going to go out and have a conversation with the entire floor, the entire organization? Hey, we got somebody here who wants to be addressed like this versus that. And they're going to use a different bathroom than what you think they should be using. Absolutely not. But you might want to let the HR manager know. That way they know what to expect in case some people have some issues. But JC, let me take it a step further. Okay. What if you have on your team an employee who's really religious. And now this employee has, to, because of this employee's duties, they have to interact with this new employee that the recruiter just hired that does, does want to be addressed 
as a she, but really is a he, but it's not up to us to decide. But this employee says, because of my religious beliefs, I'm not going to address that person as a she. I'm going to address that person as a he. What's that because one Because of their title? religious beliefs. What's, what's that title? Is it uh, the VII, right? What what title is that? The title? Uh, title 7. <laughs> yeah, the, v, the VII title. There's you so much within... You- the VII that this touches you on. You kill me with that, bro. Because here I'm thinking, v- the Virgin Islands? We didn't do a show about the Virgin Islands. What is this guy talking about? I keep okay, him yeah, on his Title toes. Seven. I yeah. keep him on his toes. <laughs> you're, you're touching no. on a lot of different things with that. Oh, this Dissect is that amazing... for us, please. Yes, sir. Here's the thing. A lot of people, because this really happened, a lot of people would run away from that from that conversation, especially at work. And that is the worst thing you can do, especially when it belongs to your team, especially when your team is the one having this. Remember, folks, I focus on putting a team together where they are able to openly speak about their personal beliefs, whether it's religious or political, doesn't matter to me, so long as they're respectful of one another. And they, when they ask for more information or they there's something they don't understand that really kind of offends them and hits them instead of taking offense to it i want my team to ask more questions to better understand because intent is important if the person did not intend to uh to insult you or make you feel uncomfortable or offend you then it should that question that scenario should not be treated in that manner right because regardless on how you feel so you got to focus on the intent. Well, anyway, in this particular situation, um, we do have to address both associates. So if you got one associate, associate A, um, who has a, a really strong feeling about the transgender community because maybe that employee has had experience in that or a family member, whatever the case may be. And then you have another employee who has a really strong opinion on that issue because of that person's religious belief. It's good that they talk about it. The worst thing you can do is say, don't talk about that at work, because those ill will feelings that every human being has are going to manifest. And if you don't give those feelings a voice, if you don't give those feelings or those emotions a venue in which they can talk to each other in a constructive way to better understand each other, it's going to manifest the opposite way. And it's going to create more issues. Now, that's not for every HR manager to to just dive into those conversations without experience on how to handle and how to take the the uh, the temperature in the room. Um, so you do need some practice. You do need some patience. You do need to know what are the cues when the conversation starts to head south or you can really back in. But that is a conversation that needs a guide, needs a leader to make sure those conversations are happening in a way where both parties truly, truly understand each other, right? But the easy thing for that is, the easy thing for that specific scenario, JC, oh, oh, I is, know. yes. Uh, you fire everybody. I have it. I know you was going to say that. Yeah, well, yeah. You, you pull out you pull out your Darth <laughs> Vader skills and you get rid of them all the way that uh Boy, I love no. how you like to stimulate the economy, right? By just creating all these new jobs. You're right? killing you fire me. everybody. Why? I'm stimulating the economy. <laughs> no, no. So no, you 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 acknowledge those conversations. You acknowledge those personal beliefs and you encourage that conversation to happen. Now, I do want to warn everybody again. You have to be really careful how you do that. You got to be really careful Why? because you already have to have because you got to have a culture of trust, really a solid culture of trust right. in that organization for that to work. 
It is all it takes is one sentence to be said the wrong way and took the wrong way and in in a a bad cultural environment for the whole conversation to just be completely kaput. Right. Everybody's attacking each other at this point because you shouldn't focus on the person. You should focus on the on the topic at hand, which is the person's beliefs. And that's perfectly okay. But let me let me because somebody challenged me this week, like, Ricky, what is the difference between um, acknowledging uh, somebody's beliefs and respecting somebody's belief? Right. That's a real good question. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good one. You have to have respect towards one another. That's not debatable. You can acknowledge somebody's religious beliefs or somebody's point of view, meaning I, I see what you're saying and I truly understand. Go ahead, JC. Respect or professional courtesy? Uh, no, hear uh, me out. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> I get it. I get it. All hear right. me out. Hear me out. If I acknowledge your, your personal beliefs, that means I, I get it. I understand. I don't have to agree with it. Right. And I don't have to respect it. Here's why. Now, this is a really hard, this is a really, you know, far right example, right? This is really off the deep end, right? So Wait let's a second, say, say. It doesn't have to be far right to be off the deep end. It's just off the deep end. Don't drag politics into it. Go ahead. I, I didn't. You just did. I did now, but okay. Don't assume my <laughs> politi- don't don't assume my political affiliation. You're the one who brought it in, not me. So you took it that way. Oh my Fine. gosh. No respect. So, He's got no respect. See, See, there you go. That's why you got to learn that difference. So let's say, because uh, you know how some religious organizations have their extremists. I don't mean the core center that really does good for the world. I mean the ones who really take it out there. Some religions, at the end of the day, it says if somebody commits a sin for whatever reason, you got to be head dumb. I mean, that that's what the extremists believe, right? So if I if I'm told I have to respect that point of view, Bullshit. I def I most definitely am not. If you if you're telling me your your religion, um, it, it's uh, how how you deal with things with violence. I'm not going to respect any ounce of that. I'll acknowledge it, and by acknowledging, I'm saying I understand that is your religion, and I think you're an a hole because of that. If you think that violence is the answer to handle any issues that contradict what you believe that religion is supposed to uphold, so. That's why I'm saying you shouldn't respect other people's religious beliefs. You should acknowledge them. You should, however, respect the person and how they are communicating to you with it. So there's a big difference there. And I want people to make sure they fully understand those those differences. If you train your team, everybody you bring in, you train them to focus any kind of debate, any kind of differences of opinion in that manner where they are asking questions to understand, not to respond, to understand the other person's point of view and understand that they have a completely different personal belief than you do. You can work together. Not only can you work together, you know what each of the boundaries are. You know how to have these conversations. You know not to get emotional. And guess what? Now you're able to have really good conversations with business partners. A business partner pissed you off, and guess what? You are now fully trained on how not to get defensive with that. They're attacking you personally. Guess what? You are now fully trained not to focus on the personal attack because for there to be a fight, somebody has to attack you. You have to actively defend. I can teach you how not to defend yourself and focus more on the task at hand to bring everything back. So I guess what I'm saying here, JC, what I'm saying is, is that 
if a uncomfortable conversation comes up, the worst thing you can do is to shut it down. And before you decide to continue on with the conversation and, and, and moderate and be the chef that throws all the ingredients, those ingredients in the pot and you start stirring to come out with that great meal, you got to practice. So start with little things, right? But make sure that your foundation, your respect for each other, um, how you ask questions. I mean, you got to make sure that's solid before you can continue that. that uh, again, that situation with the transgender employee just happened this week. And it, we had a really good conversation about it where everybody on my team understood the other person's points of view. And they're now better because of it, because we know how we know now how to handle situations like that at work from a legal perspective, regardless of how you feel personally. I have a question for you. Yes. Going back to that interview process and equal and fair opportunity and perceptions, mm -hmm. the way that teams fit together, kind of a. It just it just more in the realm of, of weeding out your candidates, okay? Okay. You're in the process of conducting interviews, and maybe you've got a hard charger at the helm. You've got you've got a rock star that's conducting these interviews. Okay. They know exactly what they're looking for. You know that maybe you predominantly hire sharks, right? You're looking for type mm -hmm. A personalities. You're looking for X, Y, Z. You know the criteria that you're looking for. And then you have someone come to the table that has those traits, that meets the qualifications, actually exceeds the qualifications for the job. They're mm -hmm. overqualified for the position. <laughs> overqualified. The resume keeps building as you keep talking. <laughs> but work with me here. Seriously. Okay. All right. But when it comes down to the actual interview at hand, you're you're starting to understand through self-disclosure, not through any fact-finding of your own in the process, but something in the interview was disclosed that you now have the constructive knowledge the person lives, works, and deals with a disability. Mm -hmm. Something that they might not have listed at the top of their resume. Their, their interpersonal communication style might be slightly different mm -hmm. than the styles of, of the ideal candidate that you're looking for. Okay. Do you discriminate? Or rather, do you weed them <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you weed them out? Rather, do you so, weed them out because of uh, no. that rock star wanting to head down a certain path? So what that's do you do? a great question. Because um, I'm assuming you're asking that if I'm already aware of their disability, either I can visually see it in the interview or some other means that I found out this person has a disability. You better ignore it. You better ignore it, right? Unless the person asks you, because the person has to ask you directly, hey, yes, I need an accommodation under ADA because you have to ask a specific okay, question okay. to so, make sure you check that box. So what if and, what if it's not something that's blatant like that? And maybe they didn't disclose it to you, but maybe part of the reason you're declining them for a position has something to do related with it. I'll get to that. I'll get to that. So before we get there, I just I want to make sure everybody understands because I don't want people to get in trouble because of what we're saying here, right? So if you're in the interview. And you could, let's say you could tell, you could tell somebody has a disability. For example, let's say somebody's blind, right? And you can obviously tell as you're interviewing them if they are blind. Obviously, you cannot ask them, hey, 
are you blind? Do you need this accommodation? Blah, blah, blah. No, that will get you in trouble because they can reasonably believe that you're assuming they have a disability. And if they don't, they don't get the job. Now you're going to spend a lot of money trying to prove yourself right in court. You don't want to do that. How you get around that, folks, is when you're conducting an interview and you are, you're, you're starting to notice there's something there that they may have a disability, just ask this question. Show them the job description, ask them to read it, and just ask them the simple question. Can you perform these duties with or without reasonable accommodation? You're showing them the door. You're opening the door, the ADA door, to have that conversation about a reasonable accommodation. According to the law, we need to have dynamic dialogue to come to a conclusion. We can assume. We have to ask them if they can do it or not. If they say no, all right, roger that, no problem. But you can still see there's going to be an issue. You can't do anything with it, brother. You cannot. You have to proceed the way they tell you because it's not up to you to make that decision. It's up to them. Now, if they come on board, they start struggling, they start having issues, they still don't want to ask for an accommodation. You got to hold them accountable the same thing as everybody else, right? That's not going to change. Now, let's come back real quick. Going back to your question where you just asked, what if they don't get the position because of the uh, disability? Then I'm going to have a conversation with the hiring authority as to why this person did not get the position if they're the best fit for the role just because of that disability. Because that, that is the fastest way how to, how to get involved into, a, into the this defendant side of a lawsuit because you will get sued. It's not only wrong, but it's illegal. So are you asking if somebody didn't get the role then? <laughs> hey, I didn't get the role because I'm blind. That's no, what you're you, asking? You just had good <laughs> advisement there. There was a nice little chat, you know? No, hold on. No, Something really, just did. happened three weeks ago. Something just happened like that three weeks ago. So we we interview people um, virtually, right? Obviously, because we are hiring like crazy, uh, and and we have a lot of work and very little people to conduct that work, which is a good situation to be in from a business owner's perspective. Right. So we interviewed with this one person. It was all virtual, and we didn't know this person was visually impaired until we started orientation. That's when we found out because he announced it to everybody in orientation. We asked. Hey, so tell me something about you. He's like, hey, hey, I'm so-and-so and I'm blind. I'm like, oh, so I just happened to log in because I don't do orientation. My team does. I just happened to be in there. And as soon as I heard that, I just, I sent a little instant message to the person doing the interview. I'm like, did you know he was blind before this? And she's like, absolutely not. I don't know what to do. I'm like, continue on with the orientation. I'll handle this. And that is when after orientation, I just, I call, I give the guy a call. And I'm like, hey, how you doing? I'm Ricky. I'm the HR manager. I was just happened to be in orientation, and I heard what you said. So now that you said that, I just wanted to make sure that are you? Is there anything you need from our perspective? Anything you need to help you do your job the best you possibly can? Yeah. And that's why he had a great conversation. Let me tell you, JC, this guy is so motivated to work. And he is so happy just to get an opportunity. Look, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps right now that I'm like, hold, if I could take a quarter of his energy and a quarter of his workout and give it to everybody else, we would be the best home improvement company in the nation, hands down. But this cat was so motivated and it was so inspiring talking to him because he could be a motivational speaker. He's saying, no, Mr. Ricky, I need this, this, and that, but don't worry about it. You need this serial number. I know how to handle these things. I've done it before. I just want to come in here and make money. I'm like, damn it, that's what I'm talking about. 
That is what I'm talking about. I need 10 of you. I need 10 of you, man. Go go find 10 people like that. (laughs) He just hit the desk so hard it reverberated right through the shock mount. I'm sorry. (laughs) I just... Stories like that. I love stories like that, right? Because yeah. he have he has every every reason to feel sorry for himself, and he refuses to do so. Refuses to do so. Then you got some associates, right, who get a flat tire, and the whole year is shot. Okay, and I'm like, ah, oh, Dora. I, I just it's all about perspective. Anyway, so we had that conversation. I was asking him what he needs. Um, what he he told us what he needs the software that that he needs. We went out and bought it. Um, another person came in two weeks later. I'm like, I've done this before. I bought the software again because you got different licenses. Um, but yeah, it, it's in this new virtual world, there are some things that you don't think about that you do have to take a deep dive into. Whereas two years ago, you didn't have to do, especially. So now what I told my team going forward, I don't want to find out somebody has a disability in orientation. Right. I want to know as early as possible, because if we hire that person, I want to make sure we got all the tools needed for that person to be successful. So what I told them is, and they should be doing this anyway, any interview. Please read the job descriptions. Can you perform those duties with or without reasonable accommodation? There's the door. If they don't walk through that door, nothing you can do. Proceed as normal. That's that's what needs to happen. Strong words from a strong man. Ricky Baez. Thank you. Just a I gentle applause. To clap. Gentle applause in the background for uh, for the oh. guy over there. No, it's really. Thank guy, you. I I like when when you take these opportunities to actually use your head, you know, and you, you your words come out. You know, you've got good words. Yeah, that's normally how it works. You know, right? the difference is is uh, when people actually take the words and turn it into action, and uh, anyone can say what they want. Anyone can hear what they want, but when you actually listen to what's being said and then apply that and put that in action in your own house, it's a totally different ball of wax. And that opens up a totally different type of discussion as well. Ricky. It does, because that's how words are powerful, and you got to be careful what you say, especially when you're in a position of influence. Ricky, guess what? Yes, sir. What? Is that time? Current events this week brought to you in part by Ricky's equal and fair opportunity practices. He's here for uh, for you to lean on, truly, anytime you need him. Reach out to uh, Ricky Baez over at Biasco. He'll be more than happy to help you out. That's uh, the cheapest plug I'll ever give you on this program. Hey, as previously stated, uh, the Space Coast HR Conference that's going to be taking place coming up on April 21st in Melbourne, Florida. We'll have more information on that coming up in the following weeks. Also, we have the... Oh, go ahead, Rick. Um, There's another... So April 21st? Yes. You know, you know that, that's, a, that's a really famous date. You know that, right? Tell me why. You don't know what else happened on April 21st. Tell me. Come on, dude. Queen Elizabeth sent the first email back in April 21st, 1977. That's number one. Number two, that almost happens to be the day I was born. So oh, that's your birthday? On my birthday, Get I'm going to be on the floor. Yes, sir. April 21st. <laughs> hey, stop on out and make sure you give them a cupcake. 
this guy. It will be a in-person event. They are moving forward with in-person, which is also uh, pretty fantastic. Uh, according to GlobeNewsWire.com as well, uh, we've got word about the HR Technology Conference and Expo. It's announcing their spring event featuring uh, uh, Jason Averbook, uh, Josh Burson, Jackie Clayton, Torin Ellis, and many more. They will be doing, this was announced out of Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, but they will be doing it virtually March 16th to 19th, the HR Tech Conference. So for all you thought leaders out there that are looking to uh, head down a different path with your technology, there's some things coming up there. Um, Have you ever attended the HR Tech Co? I have not. I have not, actually. I do want to try it, but when is it again this year? When did you say it was? Eh, It's going to be coming up in March. Mar- oh, March is, boy, March is filling up, man. <laughs> yeah, just Google HR Tech Conference wow. a little bit, and you'll find some of the stuff that's out there. But uh, before we continue on that, this one's coming to us from No Techie, published by Chris Smith. Ricky, if you could grab the uh, HR Talk Twitter feed for me. So off that HR Talk Twitter feed, there were some articles that were published earlier today. We want a big, uh, big shout-out. Thank you. Going out to our intern for publishing some of these. This one is five automation opportunities for exhausted small business owners. It's actually kind of like a blog post. Um, okay. But what they're talking about here is, um, from that small business perspective, just reemphasizing that automation does help you get around issues uh, within your organization, right? It frees up your time and that of your entire staff. It helps change the atmosphere within your enterprise. It's 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 a very good thing. Um, they have a few suggestions here. Like um, when people put things in their shopping cart, if they're shopping on your website, maybe building a reminder, just a small reminder to let people know, hey, you left something in that cart. Could save a lot of time <laughs> and capitalize on some resources, right? Um, automation, uh, yeah. automation in the hiring process. And if you've Ooh. got that article, if you want to put this I on do. the screen, feel free. Um, right. Automation in the hiring process. You know, there's there's a lot of sifting through resumes and interviewing candidates. It, it takes a lot of time uh, through automation. What they're recommending is utilizing software, uh, these management systems that can help uh, uh, applicants. Uh, you know, help help refine the applicants through the onboarding and, and hiring process, using hiring automation on the outreach side of the operation and uh, automatically alert you if there's candidates out there that are matching your job descriptions. Uh, it goes on to talk about process automation as well. You know, it's, it's being made possible through uh, cognitive technologies that are out there. You know, even just a, a few short decades ago, Rick, the thought that a machine like the computer is going to step in and do some stuff for you. Seemed like science fiction. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it yeah, was, it was it like, uh, you're, you're still living on your dot matrix printers and your, your index cards, you know? So to think that the, uh, computer is going to be taking away some of the human aspects of things has further been refined through some of the process automation that's out there. Um, auditing automation as well. And employee performance automation, many different topics, uh, to key in on. A lot of this is going to be stuff that's highlighted this year, possibly, but through that HR tech conference. But let, let's hone in here specifically on this piece. 
It's targeted towards that small business owner. There might be technical opportunities out there that you're currently not taking advantage of that it might be time to start looking into a little bit. What do you think about that, Rick? Um, So it's with any automation, it's only good in moderation because as I'm looking at this, I'm, I'm skimming through this article that talks about employee performance automation, process automation, and then the one that really hiring automation. (laughs) That's a scary one, right? (laughs) It is scary because to me, um, I can I can easily see a small business organization who I mean obviously they're really busy as a CEO of a small business you are pretty much wear all hats in the organization so you want to make sure you get as automated as possible hiring automation we could use it as a tool but it shouldn't be the only tool you use to make sure you got the right candidates in the pile for you to interview right because that uh, that hiring automation is only as good as to cleverness of the of the candidate who knows to put specific keywords in resumes to make it through the pot right oh so, we've, we've beat that dead horse too that's yeah, a tough have. one man yeah. it really is talk yeah, so, about scammers out there you know correct correct because you could have if you focus just if, if you let your hiring being done on who you look at if you let that be uh, processed just by the hiring automation by AI, then you are completely ignoring that piece of the market, of the candidate market, that really belongs in your organization. They have the tools and the skill set you really need to move your needle from A to B, but you're not even talking to them because they don't know about the AI in your hiring automation <laughs> or, process. Or even worse, right? You reach that point where you've narrowed down the candidates through hiring automation. You head into the interviews and you stick to the rigid process associated with the automation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that. the time when you need to be human, right? That's the time when, when exactly. you, your skin comes to the table and you actually have some good, candid conversations. Right. See, and that's why, that's why, at least from my perspective, I'll use it as a tool, but not the only tool, right? I'll use it to help me, but I still want to have some kind of human contact with the process. And that way I can use my own skill set, my own processes to make sure if this candidate is a good candidate to talk to or not. So again, I see it. I'm just concerned. Your next current event article heads over to Dynamic Business, how HR automation can simplify your life. Once again, I, I really like the fact that uh, the intern got these articles out there before we recorded the program today so that it made these automatically available for the listening audience as well as uh, us to get those more easily pulled up. It definitely helps out with things. Hey, this was put together by Monica Watt back on January 11th, but it's a it's a very strong piece talking about how automation can, you know, save time. It, it can eliminate some of the manual steps in your processes when we're talking about HR tech, help you improve record keeping, uh, performance shortfalls, a holistic view of people management, it could do a lot of very good things in very good ways. And her article touches on all that. And she's stressing here in the piece as you uh, go through it. She talks a little bit about post-pandemic recovery. Okay. And and here's a quote. She says, it will be more critical than ever before for business to remain competitive. Time should not be spent on unproductive or non-revenue generating activity if it can be reallocated to tasks that will help boost the bottom line. End quote. I I understand what she's saying here. That was the second to last paragraph for you. 
I I understand what she's saying. I agree with with what she's saying. But at the same time, I I have a lot of trepidation, Rick, when I when I read that, when I think about that, even if it is taken out of context or even within context, only because it's just like what we said. If you remove too much of the human aspect, your automation takes over too far. And if this is a new tool or asset for you or maybe you signed one of those unfortunate PEO agreements and now you're stuck <laughs> in a real unfortunate bad unfortunate PEO agreements <laughs> and, and, and now you're stuck paying someone for a for a process that you should have just kept in house anyways right uh, you awesome. know um <laughs> yeah you know what I'm talking about man I know I get I get you man I get you okay hang on before uh, we delve into <laughs> on that on that side of the house uh, do you like signing your life away um <laughs> I mean, you, know you got to draw the line somewhere at some point, right? <laughs> you got to own your own you know, hiring process if you're building your own culture of trust, right? I mean, you and I both signed our life aways at 18. So womp, we womp. did that. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, I don't, right? I really don't. But it's um, those organizations are out there that live off of that mentality. Truth, but truth. The, the, the whole contract piece is a uh, that is eroding away as time continues on. More and more organizations are going on the uh, uh, th- uh, every month kind of a contract. Yeah, so I yeah. get it. I All get right. You, so, so to her specific quote here, time should not be spent on unproductive or non-revenue generating activity if it can be reallocated to tasks that help boost the bottom right. line. So let me ask this question. Right here's in this in this particular article. Here's what I would question unproductive what does that mean exactly what it means for one organization is different for another organization right Right. because let's say let's say as a leader i'm walking by checking on my team i see my team is doing really good but i see one person alex alex is not doing good alex was a raw star three months ago but now alex is in the slumps i i say hey alex you good what's going on come on let's get some coffee i take alex out for a coffee break for 20 minutes Somebody else may see that as unproductive, but to me, that is productive because I'm 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 noticing something with my associate. Instead of beating him over the head with numbers or the lack thereof, I pull him out and get the HR outside, and then I start having a human conversation with the guy to see what's going on. To me, that's productive. And now right? you're you have the potential to increase revenue generation across the so, board or capitalize on efficiencies through investing in your people, right? That's right. So the That's thought right. process that time should not be spent on unproductive or non-revenue generating activity. For some people, non-revenue generating activity is a very thick line where you might have to make <laughs> the case when you go into the C-suite that investing in your people is actually a, a great asset to revenue generation. And. And some executives don't see it that way. And that's the problem. Some. That's the problem. Some. Yeah, well, well, I mean, you got some that really focus on the H factor, but you got most that are focusing just on whether you're uh, um, on black or you're red. It depends where you are in the P&L, right? But if you're able, that's what I tell all my students, don't focus on changing how the CEO or the executive C-suite um, understands you. Learn their language. And their language is what? Numberism. If you can t- if you can translate anything into into numbers, whether it's going to take you black or red, you are in there like swimwear. They will welcome you because you are talking their language. Would you play money and ball? That is big, dude. 
Have, have you seen that movie? Yeah, that's really play good. It. You gotta play it. Yeah, you gotta play. Really, it. Yeah. I'm a Red yep. Sox yeah. fan. Of course, I saw that. It, <laughs> such a great book too. The book is awesome. So yeah, so it's it, it's um. Oh, you the do VHS have to learn ta- how to the speak VHS those tape was even better. The audio book <laughs> with the narrated by uh, the guy you that plays the Mandalorian to- <laughs> was really good too. You, you want to explain to everybody what VHS means? Because I'm pretty sure half our audience do not. Yeah, sure. <laughs> You're an asshole. <laughs> Your last Kurt Van article here, if you could pull it up from the Twitters. This is that Sherm piece right there. Uh, written by David Zelinsky. Dave Zelinsky. Dave, great job with this piece, though, actually. This is going to play directly part into our, uh, our swim up the river today on tech here. And kind of pull in full circle on what we're discussing how to make the case for investing in hr technology part of that sherm.org uh news release and, and blog posts that they put out there gotta love those ads gotta love the uh the info that they put out though they really do have a, a lot of good writers a lot of good thought leaders stepping up and and talking about that uphill battle talking about heading into making the case for investing in human resources technology at the end of the day, he's he's got some good tips here. Rick, could you dissect this for us? So I'm looking. This is the one by Dave Zielinski, How to Make the Case for Investing in HR from Sherm. Uh, HR leaders face an uphill battle in winning that approval. You said that already. But tips for winning the pitch. I'm sorry. I'm going to jump in here before we even go into the article. I don't want people to be lost at us saying, you need automation, you need HR technology, this is what you need, this is what you need. Hey guys, we don't know what you need, but we do wanna let you know what's out there for you and for you to take a look into all these different uh, options you have out there and then make a decision about what you want in your organization. And I bring that up right now, JC, because I have spoken to a few clients these past couple of weeks who want to jump into just automating everything. And when I ask them why, they say because they read an article or they saw a YouTube video. I have yet to had anybody tell me because they saw it on TikTok, but I'm pretty sure that's coming. Um, But when I ask them, but do you need it? And they're like, I didn't think I needed it until I read your article. And that's scary, (laughs) right? Because if you've been running good, and or efficient as much as you possibly could with what you have, and you're not planning on growing exponentially, then why do you need to automate? So that to me, that would be a waste of money. Now, if this See, is I, something I think it's you- exciting. I think it's exciting, not so much well, yeah, of course there's some some fear associated with that, right? Fear of the unknown, mm-hmm. et cetera. But you you've got a huge potential benefit on the on the table here as as you're thinking about adapting some of these technologies. But doing it the right way, right? I mean, it's different for different organizations. I agree with you across the board. And I know what you're saying about it being scary, but I want to hold your hand and let you know technology is your friend. It's okay. They'll put chips in your brain in the near future. They're going to put chips in your brain. You're going to be able to communicate with your computer with your mind. This is your coaching. Don't hold my hand again. Please don't do that. No, so tips for the winning the pitch. So, so he's, he's talking much, about the quantitative benefits in that first bullet point, kind of like what you were talking about, right? Yeah, so you, 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 you translate what these benefits are to numbers to the executives. Again, learn to speak the language of numbers. So if you're able to take these benefits or the, or the ROI that you're going to get by, by purchasing this tech, which, by the way, tech is not cheap. 
I mean, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on what you, if, if you go in with Oracle or PeopleSoft, you are talking hundreds of thousands of dollars if you're medium to a large size business, right? But so you take all those benefits because again, the, all, the what the CEOs and the executives already know is that this is going to cost money. What they don't know is how much money they're going to get as a result. And that is your job as the HR person to translate that for them. And you got to translate that as as simple as possible. That way they're able to make a judgment call like this. If they got to go back home or go back to the board of uh, of, uh, of a chair people to make a determination, then you haven't done a good job in truly, truly explaining what this thing means. Reduce, so you take all- reduce the duplication of work, boost performance and productivity uh, across the what board. What does that mean? You know, try, to, mean? try to find those necessary ways to have more coffee breaks and time on the golf course. <laughs> no, it's just just give example on how you're reducing duplicate work. Give an example on how much time you saved by not doing this now because all you got to do is press a button. Quantify that. If it takes five HR people an hour each to make that happen, figure out what the hourly wage is and quantify it by the year, divided by quarter so you can let them know how much money you're saving per quarter. And then what can what else they can do with that money? That their their eyes would open up and they'll dilate because that you're speaking their language. If you're not able to do that in human resources, better learn how to do it quick. Or if you're not willing to do that, find something else to do. Because that's exactly what you need to do. They write those checks unless you're your own boss and then you have your own um, uh, c- consultancy firm. You still have to have that skill set in order to convince your clients to do the same thing. Further down in the article right here, it talks about Beyond Cost Savings, a new approach to gains traction. They've got a quote here from Art Mazur. The business case should be about unlocking value rather than just saving money by itself. There's always opportunities to automate in ways that reduce cost. But what we find Mm -hmm. is more CHROs are gaining buy-in when they demonstrate how technology investments will help them access scarce talent differently. How it will evaluate worker capabilities differently or how it will enable employee engagement differently. All of these gains have quantifiable value, even though they're not as cut and dried as cost reduction. And I disagree a little. I'm sorry. I disagree a little bit with that. I disagree. Yes, you do need to you do need to communicate what the value is in gaining this. But you got to put a number to that value. You have to. Right. Without you putting a number to that value, it's going to fall in deaf ears. Anything is valuable. Tell me how is it valuable? They do need to see that, right? So yes, um, what what Mazer said is correct. It's not just about the money value. You, you got to show what the value is, but you got to tie a number to it. That way they fully understand how that affects their bottom line. Nine times out of 10, those, those executives get a huge bonus, A, on performance, and B, making sure you come in under planned budget at every quarter. They get a bonus for that, right? So you got to make sure what's in it for them. You got to communicate that. Let me see. Continuing on, 70% response, Deloitte. Okay, so for example, Master says 70% of respondents in a recent Deloitte survey on the usability of workplace technology reported the face. No, (laughs) sorry. Reported they face. (laughs) I got them on my mind, brother. That they faced a frustrating scenario of having to enter the same data into multiple systems to get the task done. That kind of friction creates cascading effects around engagement and, product- and productivity. Boy, are, is, he, is he ever right? 
more HR leaders are able to make the case for technology investment uh, now based on the need for digital experiences that allow employees to conduct their work more simply, faster, and efficiently. Excellent, excellent way to explain it. Get a number uh, attached to it. I'm telling you, they'll agree like that. I've seen it happen over and over and over again. And JC, hey, in uh, my classroom. Scroll, scroll back to the top so we could see the uh, title of the article while you wrap up here. Go ahead. In your classrooms. All right. So in my classrooms, I always tell my students the very same thing. Keep, keep, keep your elevated speech in less than five minutes. Cut out all the fact and get to the point. Just get to the point. And you'd be surprised because my... My classes are, are made up from operations and HR. You'd be surprised how differently they look at things, right? Because before coming to them to my classroom, the HR folks are thinking, we got to let them know everything that's happening because all those different things they can get in trouble for. And the operations comes in and just tell me what I need to do where I can make money. I mean, I'm being simple with it, right? But at the end of the day, those are the two different mentalities. You mesh those together. Yes, let's make money. Because that's what you're in there for, to make money, unless you're a nonprofit, even though some nonprofits make a crazy amount of money. But the idea is to make money. And you as an HR person, your role is to make sure you help them make money, not communicate how many ways they can get in trouble. Although they put you in that position sometimes, right? But if you are able to get in the same sheet of music and communicate how the bottom line is going to be affected, going, going, um, just going into the future with the organization, with these automations, you're going to get the green light to purchase. I've seen it happen over and over again. Take Ricky's advisement, combine it with Dave Zielinski's article right here at Sherm.org. title of the article is uh, How to Make the Case for Investing in HR Technology, dated January 15th. Check that out. Uh, Ricky, if you could pull up the Google. I'm about to read something. I need you to query some of the key terms I'm about to read off. It's time. Florida Man Stories, your favorite segment of the program. We're going to Fox 35 Orlando. Title of the article, Florida Man Charged with Shining Laser into Police Airplane. Florida Man Charged (laughs) with Shining Laser into Police Airplane. A Florida man was charged with shining a laser into the cockpit of a Florida Highway Patrol airplane as it was attempting to land on Saturday. Officer J.C. Pollock said he was landing his plane at Orlando Executive Airport early Saturday morning when the cockpit filled with a blinding green light. The flash of green was so bright that I temporarily experienced blindness. After a few seconds, I regained my vision. I looked out the left window of the aircraft in an attempt to determine the source of the light. Pollock wrote in his police report, He spotted the green light at a construction site right near the airport before it again was pointed into his cockpit. Guillermo Negron Roque. Roque. How do you say that, Rick? Roque. 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 47 years old, was arrested after admitting (laughs) to using the laser. He was charged with pointing a laser. It's a felony. He's being held in the Orange County Jail Saturday. Online jail records didn't list a lawyer. Can I ask a question real quick? Anything. Yeah, over there. Come on. Jump in. I'm going to catch hell for this, but I'm going to ask anyway. 
How dumb are people? I mean, seriously. Who doesn't know the consequences of shining a powerful laser like that into the cockpit of an aircraft, of an aircraft flying over a populated area and maybe thinking that they might, you know, just blind the pilot and the thing comes down into a fire crash killing people. Who doesn't know that's a possibility? I mean, seriously. People are something else. And I don't know why this one is hitting me like that. But, I mean, there's thousands of stories nationwide where people do dumb things. This is just up there. <laughs> right? So, yeah. Sorry. It's just, I don't got, I believe in second chances. Uh, not for this guy. <laughs> Stop by 535 <laughs> Orlando. Title of the article right there. Florida man charged with shining laser into police airplane. It should be moron charged with shining laser into airplanes. Sorry. Sorry. Your stories continue right here. Title of this article, Florida man tries flirting with gorgeous judge during virtual court hearing. This is from the Daily News. (laughs) Written by Nelson Oliveira. Oliveira. So an accused burglar uh, tried flirting virtually with a Florida judge while she heard his case in Broward County. It was a very funny moment. It was captured by the court's live video stream. Uh, Hopefully we could source that and get that video found somewhere. Judge Tabitha Blackman joined a prosecutor and defense attorney uh, called for the defendant's case and watched as he stepped into the camera. The man, Demetrius Lewis, appeared from a county jail and greeted the young judge with a casual... Are you doing? All right, I'm good, sir. How are you? She replied. <laughs> That's when Lewis surprised her with words rarely heard in a courtroom. Quote, judge, you are so gorgeous. He said, so gorgeous, judge. I just had to tell you, you're gorgeous. <laughs> JC, I'm sorry. Blackman smiled and, and thanked him. <laughs> But also warned him that the compliments would not do anything for the case. Thank you, Mr. Lewis, she said. All right, Mr. Lewis, flattery will get you everywhere, but maybe not here. I got the video. You ready? Go for it. Do we have audio? You don't hear it? No, there's no audio coming through. So uh, without missing a beat, uh, after being told it was a nice try, Mr. Blackman announced that the court had found probable cause to charge Lewis with attempted burglary of a occupied dwelling. Uh, Fox uh, Fox 13 Tampa Bay uh, does have that tweet. Uh, We could get that retweeted. (laughs) We could could definitely share that forward to the uh, listening audience right here. Um, (laughs) So accused of breaking an entry uh, while a woman and her three children were inside, according to the prosecutor. Uh, The family, thankfully, had a doorbell camera. They were able to stop the break-in, authorities said. Uh, The gentleman has been in trouble many times in the past uh, with law enforcement. He was released from prison in 2019 after serving a three-year sentence for aggravated battery with a deadly weapon, which stemmed from a 2015 case in Orange County. He previously served another year in prison for a drug conviction. So he's been held on $5,000 bail, uh, but the judge is thankful for the accolades. Ricky, over to you. So, so look, um, yeah, I agree. That's a dumb thing to do. I'm not going to lie. He's right. She, she is pretty, but that is not the venue for that, man. But 
I'm laughing because in the uh, in the article in the Daily News, the still picture that they chose to uh, to uh, to put up for the judge just shows her like she's so fed up <laughs> with this stuff, right? <laughs> she's like, oh god, really? This this is where I mean, I <laughs> I feel her though, right? Because could you imagine? What is she supposed to do there, right? Is she supposed to be like, oh, thank you, you dismiss? No, it doesn't work that way, fool. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> it's just hilarious. Tell you what, some people are something else. I, I do want to see this. I'm going to put it up. When I put the video up and I help the intern with it, uh, with a YouTube, I'm going to go ahead and rebroadcast, blah, re-put this up there. Because I do, I do want to see <laughs> her face <laughs> and to see how she uh, responds to it. Uh, we've got but, two minutes left in the show. Time for final thoughts and best ways for thoughts, people bro. to reach you. All right. Best way to reach us, 407-951-0784. We are everywhere HR Talk as far as social media is concerned. We need 700. That's right. 700 more followers for us to do bigger and better things with uh, TikTok. So uh, find us there and wherever you download your favorite podcast, whatever platform that is, we're there. Just look up HR Talk. Look for the screaming face. That is the face of the franchise. Give us a like. Let us know what you think. And final. I'm sorry. Final thoughts, right? Final thoughts. Seriously, folks, let your associates be themselves. Be the manager. Be the person who guides that conversation. But it's important for your associates to be understood and accepted as their own individualism is concerned. But And that's how you get people who bend over backwards for your bottom line. Just let them be them, and you'll be surprised in what you'll get. With my final thoughts here on the day, I want to say don't be afraid of technology. It's there to help you out, but do it in a smart way. There's a lot of uh, great people out there that will take advantage of your pockets, so be careful of that as well. Tap into a good consultant that can also help you out at the same time. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been our pleasure to be here for you this week. I'm JC. On behalf of Ricky Baez, our new secret hidden intern, former associate executive (laughs) Rob, uh, uh, associate producer Rob, uh, that doesn't help with the program anymore, but also helped me with a few articles this week. Thanks. Can't believe that. You know, great guy. And, uh, I'm JC. Drive safe. Have a good night. Today's a Super Bowl.